What's up, y'all? I'm Otil. And I'm Mike. And we are on Patreon. Get on the bus, you guys. Get your bus pass. We put out an additional episode every week where we answer questions from you. Or sometimes we may just get off on a tangent about something important or cool that happened that day or a couple days ago. Yeah, it's Otil and I catching up and you are invited. So if you head to patreon.com slash comes a time pod, uh, you can join us. Uh, you can get the bus pass. We have some incredible merch coming soon. Uh, we've got a lot of great surprises. So uh, we would love to have you guys head on over. Yes. Most of all, we want to connect with you. So uh, get on the bus, y'all. Welcome back to Comes a Time. I'm Mike. I'm O'Teal. We had a really good uh, podcast with the incredible Evans brothers, Neil and Al Evans from Soul Life. Uh, when I met them, I think Al said he was 18, so we've known each other a good long time. Yeah, man. And wow, what a fun time. You know, I keep thinking that there's that the podcast will go up and down, but it just seems like they just keep going up and up and up. You know, it sounds like a cliche, but like, wow, this was really a fun one. Yeah, no. And it's, and it's just so nice to know that, uh, everyone is on the same wavelength that we have to police our own, uh, thought, you know what I mean? Or, or filter our own, our own, uh, thought. This is a helpful one. You know, last night I went back and listened to our backline episode because I needed ah. it. And, uh, mm. it, this fed right into the, I needed this, this, it, it, this was great. And those guys are phenomenal and they've been blowing my mind for damn 18 years now, you know, yeah. 19 years. So it was an honor to have them on. And, uh, this is a really great chat. I think everybody's really going to need it and, uh, enjoy it. So yeah. thank you all for being here with us. And, uh, you could check us out on Patreon at uh, patreon.com slash comes a time pod where you can get an extra episode of O'Teal and I and uh, enjoy all the other podcasts on the Osiris Network at osirispod.com. Uh, happy holidays. Thank you for listening. We'll catch you soon. Peace. Peace. Hey, Osiris listeners. We want to tell you about our friends at Sunset Lake CBD who support this show. Sunset Lake CBD is a Vermont hemp farm crafting affordable CBD products designed to help with sleep and stress without breaking the bank. If you haven't tried CBD before, take it from me, it's a game changer. I use Sunset Lake's tincture every night before I go to bed, helping me get solid, restful sleep. And their gummies are great for daytime. Check out their new Good Vibes gummies, which have just a bit of hemp-derived THC to help you relax and unwind. Sunset Lake CBD crafts products with hemp grown on their family farm and ships them directly to customers. They have tinctures, salves, edibles, coffee, smokables, and even pet products. By the way, their CBD chocolate fudge is awesome. Check them out today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use coupon code TIME for 20% off all products. Sunset Lake CBD, farmer-owned, Vermont-grown. the great neil and alan evans with us today good to see you guys 
What's up? Good, good, good to be here. here. Man, I couldn't wait to do this. Because uh, uh, how old were you guys when I met you? I was 18. Yeah, so I, I, was, thought, yeah I was about 20. Yep. I thought teenagers. One yeah. teenager. Oh, man, what a that trip. That was in what, uh, Durham, right? Yeah, it was in the yeah. Cat's Cradle. Cat's Cradle. Cat's Cradle. Mm-hmm. And I just remember being like, What? <laughs> That was Moon Boot Lover, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Peter the coolest Prince thing was like we hung out all day. We were there for sound check, and sound check must have been like two or three or something like that. It was yeah. really early, so then we hung out um, in the what the Eco Line. The <laughs> oh, oh yeah, the the the, the, uh, the airport trans the airport yeah. transport. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yes. We used to call that the mobile quaalude because it looked like, for one, it looked like a quaalude with wheels. And for another, you wished you had one if you spent your life in it. (laughs) That was some fun times, man. Oh, you guys. I just remember thinking, because, you know, me and my brother, Kofi, we always had the Burbridge brothers. We were kind of known together. (laughs) You know, we were like, "Uh uh-oh, the Evans brothers. You know, we we had met the Wooten brothers, you know, you just, you know, when you, when you find them brothers, you know, something's up, dude. <laughs> Wooten brothers. Exactly. Well, it's good to see you guys. So how, how is the quarantine treating you guys? Man, uh, no complaints here, man. To be honest, man, I've been, I've been super busy and uh, just staying focused on, on being happy and uh, keeping, you know the family family's good so everything yeah man i have no complaints really um it's been interesting especially in new york um mm-hmm. actually um christy and i just flew back from visiting friends in portland oregon yesterday so we were there for two weeks um and the we got there uh two weeks ago on thursday and they locked it down the night before on Wednesday. So it's strange to go back to a city and I know everything is kind of shut down, but it's strange to go back to a city that you really dig. And like New York is still vibrant. You know, there's just so many people here. When you go out, there's just tons of people around, you know, even during this lockdown, Portland was, everything was shut down. Like there, it was really strange, but it's not like we were going out and do anything. We were hanging out with friends, New York though. Um, I, I just noticed all these little things. Like I put on a little weight, <laughs> you know, cause yeah. like you're here in New York and listen, I'm sure everyone has during quarantine, you know, you're <laughs> eat a little more, but, but I noticed when you're here in the city, you're not exercising the way you do usually. And it's walking here in the city. Like, like, you know, you might be like, Oh, I'm just going to go out and run in there and you just kind of walk somewhere. And now you're like Amazon. <laughs> yeah, know, it's like fresh direct Amazon, and you're it's it's so we've gotten used to it, but it's what a, it's just bizarre, it's so bizarre. It has gotten weird too with the food thing, where it's like you're going, like, Well, I had Mexican yesterday, I had pizza the day before, <laughs> maybe wings tonight. Like, it's almost like this thing of like, All right, well, let me space it out a little bit. I noticed yeah. also that I've been eating more, like, I'm, I'm a person who likes to eat like one, I, I would. I would thrive in like Spain, Italy, like siesta, like two o'clock in the afternoon. I'd love to just have a big meal. And that's kind of it for the day. You know, that like I'm kind of like a one meal. So now you're just you're snacking. You're, it's, it's like there was that there was that weird time period right at the beginning of it. Where there was like nothing else to do, you know, so you just 
It's like, well, mm-hmm. eat food and uh, yeah. I mean, I'll tell you too. I feel like it was kind of a thing of, uh, you know, anything that you did before in a group. So like, I I do stand up comedy in New York City for yeah. a living, and the clubs were shut down, and I realized how many nights we would sit until two, three in the morning, just talking at the table. Right. And getting wings or getting a hummus platter or whatever. And just like socially talking and eating and doing that. But then you're sitting alone doing it. And you're like, <laughs> oh man, like I'm eating for five right now. And it's, <laughs> <laughs> these sweatpants are getting a little tight. My quarantine sweatpants. I know. You feel like you're uh, drinking alone, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, <laughs> it is all these little weird things. I'm telling you, like, so I've been in my studio down here. And which I like to do, but I will come down here and sometimes I'm down here for like 20 hours, you know, and you and then you realize, yo, you're just sitting. So you right. just kind of feel like how energy becomes stagnant in your body just because you're not doing normal things like standing up as much or moving around. It's um, mm. so I've had to tr- I've been really trying to pay attention to that a little more. Um, yeah. It's like we have yeah, a backyard. I, I to, um, so. To help with that, um, so Kalen, so uh, our son, he's uh, uh, he's in college, but he obviously home, you know, now, but he's got a job. He's a, a trainer at Planet Fitness. So so that dude has gotten me. So I go to the gym like five days a week because luckily it's still open here. Mm-hmm. It was closed down for a little while, but um, they're back open. They've been open for a while. So he's been like, it's pretty wild to begin train. Like he set me up with like this whole program, you know what I mean? So it's, it's wild. Like I'm back in the gym, which is cool, you know, under my son's, you know, like <laughs> direction, you know? So that's actually been really like, actually you talk about sitting down. I'm man, my legs are killing. Wednesday is legs, leg day. And I'm my <laughs> legs are, man there. Man, I'm like, you know, after uh, I did like a, 600 pound leg press, you know, like, uh-huh. you know, and all this other stuff. It's like, whoo, man, dude's got me training like, like I'm a, like a wide receiver or something, you know, but, <laughs> but it's good, but it's good though. Like it's, it's just something, you know, it's like, I'm basically I've create, I'm just trying to create a routine, you know uh-huh. what I'm saying? So I get up in the morning, go to the gym, come home, you know, eat, do my thing. Then, uh, if I have to get here to the studio, I'm here by like maybe 11 AM and here for a, a, I try to leave out of here by five or six at night home, you know, and kind of do the, the evening routine with the family. But yeah, it's just, I just been trying to stick to uh, uh-huh. some kind of routine, you know, which yeah. kind of helps. And then weekends off if possible. Mm-hmm. But Teal's been, uh, I talk to him in the morning when I'm waking up groggy and he's coming off his 16 mile bike ride. <laughs> yep. Makes well, me we feel live like in a piece of shit. <laughs> nah, man. We, okay. What temperature is it where you're at right now? Uh, it's too cold for you to go outside. Okay. I yes. almost want to put a coat on my laptop because I don't want it to be too cold for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, as you can see, uh, yeah, I, get the I see a seven in a five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you should put a minus sign in front of it. That's what no, I'm <laughs> but the, I, I live in Florida, so and it's flat. 
so unfortunately, the friend I made used to do hundred mile races. Like he's a big dude, but if he when he gets in the zone, he could just dust me at any time because he gets back in his hundred mile thing. So we just I was biking five miles a day in the morning, and when we started, but he was like, "Oh, let's bike together." And he laughed at me. He was like, five? He's like, "We got to do at least fifteen. That way we can get a hundred a week." I was like, "A hundred a week?" Yeah. But it's really like. You know, by 8 a.m., I'm done, and we knock out 100 a week. We've ridden yeah. over 6,000 miles together. So that that started my – and then having the kids just, like, forces a routine. So, right. Okay, I did go through a little depression at first, or just well, – not depression. I don't know what – just a slump. Yeah. And a political thing. And George Floyd, and all of us just like, ah, you know. And, but now I got, like, I'm Juices going. Are flowing. And now things yeah. are, like, I'm really excited about – stuff that's about to happen and stuff I'm working on. What are you guys working on right now you're super excited about? Man. Tons, huh? <laughs> uh, man, I, ca- I came in... Uh, I came in... Uh, wow, I have, I've been working on so much, man. I mean, r- well, kind of for w- with the label, we've I've finished everything up for the year, so now I'm actually... I'm already working on stuff for next year. Um, Damn. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we so we have pretty much I think we have eight or 10 big releases planned for 2021. So that pretty much wow. covers we pretty much have the whole year. Yeah. Like, spoken. It's a That's spoken awesome. Form. Yeah. That's so great. Yeah. Yeah. So um, and then what else? I, I'm going to start working. Also, uh, in 2021, I'm going to start working with these dudes over in London um, on like some kind of like um, music for f- TV and film, you know. Nice. And nice. this is it's a this is what they do, but they kind of found me through they they just heard like a, a one of my Crush Velvet tunes, like on, it yeah. just popped up on Spotify. Now, like, yo, what is this? So they were like, man, we're looking for someone who can do like kind of '60s, '70s funk soul. They just they've been getting a lot of requests for stuff like that. So so in 2021, sorry, in January, actually. So like next month, uh-huh. I'm going to start working on <laughs> some stuff for them. So, nice. yeah, man, just, uh, just keeping it moving, keeping it moving. And what's going on in the basement? Yeah, yes. This is the Brooklyn studio. Luckily, it's really cool. My wife and I have a duplex and um, I'm actually really psyched uh that I have this space. I don't it's know. Awesome like, looking. It's man. It's, it's, like, so, it's so cool. Dude. It's like, so cool. I don't know. This this really works on cam, but it's kind of cool, man. Like I have, oh, I have like, wow. I have like all this gear in here, and I have like, I even have a drum. I have my drum set down here. You so got a lot of room there. It's got yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's it's like the whole entire basement, and then I did this whole kind of lounge area here. Um, so it's really great, but I was just out. So I'm working with this one artist who goes by the name of Neo Jag, N-E-O-J-A-G. Um, and we were working here in Brooklyn. He was coming through the studio. So he moved out to Portland, Oregon. So that's where I just came from. He has this, in, they have this incredible house up in the hills in, in Portland. And uh, he has this great garage. And so I just went out there and we built eight foot, tall sound reinforcement panels and um 
you know, the struggles of like when you're in this, and probably any studio, you know, trying to get the sound right, you, especially with vocals, right? You like any resonant sounds in the room. So if anything sound great down here, I have all these sound working panels going out there and there's all this space, even with nothing in there. I was like, dude, this sounds amazing. You know, sound can dissipate. And, but then we just did these massive four, eight foot by three foot panels. Wow. Cut vocals. <laughs> and it was like, I was an electric lady. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's just all of a sudden I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, you need taller ceiling. You know, all these little things, all these little things. <laughs> out. But that was really great to go out and, and help him get set up because we're basically now working across the country. And, you know, he's cutting vocals. So the, all the stuff I've been working on with him, it's just straight like he, he's trap artist, you know, like just kind of current pop rap stuff which has been fun like i love i love all types of music so and i love just producing 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 so we've been putting out all this like just having a blast kind of recording stuff and it'll go from that to like oh you know you're working on a piece of music like oh this is perfect for bjork you know <laughs> you're like so you just got to get this to bjork or like want to do this track for solange that kind of thing um but also i uh recently just put out uh our and the and co album that I've done with Sonia Kitchell that we've worked on. So that's up on like every platform. Um, it's called strange symphony. Really psyched about that. And, uh, read books world, which is yeah. this, uh, my, the, like, the, like the new little, uh, creative baby that I have. Um, it's a YouTube channel that I'm starting. And, uh, I, so I came up with this name read books years ago. I thought it was kind of funny. It sounded like, um, it just sounds like some country, star like read books you know like so i just it's always a funny name so that's uh what i go by under that and th th my th my idea for that was just to put out this channel where it's i think it's time that, that i've come to the point in my life where it's about giving back and not not to, music is you're giving 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 but there's another side where it's knowledge, about, yeah, sharing the, the knowledge that I've accrued in my life. And I didn't ever think I would do that. I never, ever thought I would do that or I could do that. And, and so it's not so much. Listen, I'm not teaching someone how to play a keyboard like you have to do that on your own. You have to learn the ABCs. And what I want to share is like, OK, now that you've learned that, here are some of the, this is what I do this is what i've learned you just take some of this if you want to but it's, it's sharing all this from my creative perspective i think you know even if i'm doing some like review of a piece of gear i want to show people like how i use it how i like how i apply it you know the application of how just from my creative perspective I so mean, that's, that's something I'm really excited about. I put up one video and this is awesome. Just started. It's so that's fantastic. Yeah, it's really fun. But this is going to go on to courses. And I know there are things that like left-hand bass stuff, for sure. There will be a course on that, right? <laughs> and just bass in general. Professor. <laughs> yeah, I've always said that like bass is not an instrument. It's a concept. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's a concept. And um, I, I think that about music. You can have all these instruments, but it's how you apply them. So they're, 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 they're kind of these broader concepts and how they're used with frequencies. So um, that's super cool. I just have all this stuff I want to share. Yeah. So it's it, from going from a place where I didn't think I could do it to when you sit there and you're like, wow. And all these ideas start coming to you about what you want to do and what you want to share. 
it's um i'm re i'm really really excited about it i mean any young artist it always is like you know seeking out whether they know it or not that mentor yeah yeah, that mm -hmm. that helps them through the first, you know, the freshman and sophomore year of their career. And that's so great that you're taking it and putting it out there where, because how many of us are sitting here alone in a long, scary winter and yeah. can Listen, go like, let me learn something new from one of my oh, heroes. Oteil was that for me. Like, you know, really, Oteil, do you remember, what was that when we did Base Day? Oh, yeah. What year was that? Was that, that was like right. two, two was ninety. Eight, wasn't it? Or, no, no, no. It was after that. It was like Al. When was that? Oh no, it was, it was like, two thousand. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. mm -hmm. it didn't, it didn't come out for it, some reason. And so we remember because that was at Hammerstein Ballroom. And do you remember one point we were? I was sitting and it, who was on stage? It was like Dennis Hiram, Chambers, Hiram Bullock, and. <laughs> Man, there are these cats over there shredding, and O'Teal comes to find me. Cry I was bawling in the back of Hammerstein Ballroom, just because, like, when sometimes like music just hits you in this way. Yeah, and that's the effect it had. And I was so I was up there going like, "What am I doing? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was like, what am I doing with my life? I'm up here looking at these cats." And oh, so I was bawling. I was in the back of the place, and O'Teal just comes in. And he put his arm around me, and all he said was, I know, man. He was like, I know. Mm -hmm. He wow. wasn't like, what's wrong, Neil? That's what he said. He was like, I know. It's my St. O'Teal, dude. And that's what it was. There's like, we have, there's those things. Are, so that's mentorship, too. That's like the transference. He's like, yeah, he knows. Like, he's been there. He knows exactly what's going on in that moment. But he also yeah. knows why he's there. He also knew why I was there. Yeah, you know? yeah, so, to be you, and that's always been my lesson. It's funny you talk about because this is squarely the the phase that I've moved into in my life in the pandemic. Is that I mean, you know, and really the podcast is this too with me and Mike. It's like, mm. you know, you want to uh, connect with people and pass on what you know because right now you know a lot of people are struggling, and even the ones that aren't that are just curious. Mm -hmm. But I thought, you know, I was like, I can't read music. I'm self-taught. I have this weird way that I figured out that Kofi helped me do. And, and, but now people are calling me like Berkeley will call me and ask me to teach that way. They're like, we got students yeah. that can teach other students to yeah. read music. They could teach you to read music. Like, we yeah. don't need that. We I need was, the way your brain thinks. So yeah. now I'm doing this whole thing. It's eventually going to become an app. Wow. Where it's just everything I know. I've already filmed most of it. We did in like three days. Mm -hmm. But I could race ahead because I'm not trying to go the speed that my students are at. Right. Like okay. I could just go, go, go. Okay, yeah. next, next, next. And I'm like, wow, I'm like setting up my whole legacy here. And like, yes, the teaching thing is the, it's my, it's my favorite thing. Yeah, Music and otherwise, it, you know? It's so funny, man. So late, so I've been teaching uh, recording and mixing. Yeah, because I'm going to sign up for your course. <laughs> yeah, man. So, and so I, I, I've, I've done it for a few years now. Um, but then I, but since during this, someone hit me up and was like, hey, um, you know, would you uh, be into teaching me just like one-on-one -on -one over Zoom or whatever, you know? And he has a studio, he's got all the gear, blah, blah, blah. But I was like, yeah, I'll, cool. I'll, I'll try it out. And uh, man, it just had an amazing time. Like I didn't 
really know I, I really put a lot of thought into like okay where am I going to yeah. start so I talked to him so anyway so after that I just like kind of put it out there that I'm doing it and yeah. man the response was crazy and and That's Kim awesome. has been telling me to do this for years uh, you know I know like, people have told us that the suggest people have been suggesting for me to do this thing uh, that I'm doing now for a decade yeah or yeah. more or more, but know, hey, it's all time. That's it's what I say. A pandemic's so, like a gift. Yeah, right? it's so much fun, man. I'm, I'm serious, man. I'm having like more fun. <laughs> well, I wouldn't say more fun than making music. It's just a different thing, you know. But, but when yeah. you finally, re when you realize, I mean, I've been recording music like yeah. since I was a kid. Like I've always just been into it, into the the process of recording you know like i'm whenever when neil and i were younger we i mean we have stuff i still have stuff here in the studio from when we were kids you know like i'd love to hear that stuff. and um <laughs> so but it's so funny when you finally realize like man i'm you know i'm 43 i've been recording professionally for a long time and and it's not about um that I'm better or worse than anyone. I just have my way of doing it. And I've learned from some, and I've also paid attention to some, I've had some really great mentors along the way. I mean, yeah. Neil, Neil and I both with Kirk Yano, mm -hmm. you, know, yeah. you know, so it's like, uh, I just, I just, ex I try to explain things the way I do them. And, and really I'm filling in a lot of gaps in terms of recording and mixing that, you could go down wormholes, you know, on YouTube and all this kind of stuff. But there's a lot of like foundational uh, knowledge that's uh, over uh, that's overlooked, I guess, or not even present. And yeah. a lot of stuff online, you know, it's yeah. like, again, like we were talking early before we got on about like, oh, well, there's a plug in to fix this or there's a, you know, this this mentality of of, uh, well, I'll fix it later. Uh -huh. And when the one thing I tell people in these lessons is I don't record demos. Like yeah. I don't record demos. It's a men it's a mental it's a, a a way of thinking in that so yeah. if I'm not recording a demo, if I if I think of it that way, it's like everything that I'm working on could be in in the yeah. final release. Whether or not it ends up there, that when I put on the producer hat or someone else puts on the producer hat, that's one thing, but the, all the decisions I'm making along the way are, 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 are I'm making decisions, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So just little yeah. things like that, you know, that yeah. you learn along, you know, as you get older, you know, it's just like commit to commit to the idea, the idea or work through the idea, you know, instead of just, you know, leaving it till later, or, you know, being, uh, I just don't like to be lazy, you know, in that in that way. <laughs> and part of and I was kind of talking about going out to Portland to help my man build these sound panels. Right. And even like the sound reinforcement, it's about you you get this and I've noticed this. I have all this stuff, this little all this gear here that I've recruited over the years. But it's really about you want to have the stuff that you're able to capture that moment. Yeah. Right. And you want to capture it well. You want to capture it correctly. But even, you know, and there's all those little kind of nuanced things like um, Keith Richards recording, uh, you know, the intro in a hotel on a crappy Just, yeah, set. That, you know, yeah. hey, that's a vibe and it, it works. But the thing was, he captured it well. Right. Right. So uh. that's kind of what you're talking about. Also, like these fundamental things of you want great vocals. 
you have to capture them well, right? Yeah. You could be a horrible vocalist if you capture it well. That's like gold right there because you can kind of do anything with it, right? You put the right music behind it or whatever. Yep. But that's really about what it, what we try and do. We try and capture the moment. Mm. We know we can play. We can all play. We can do things kind of well, right? But it's about how well did you capture that moment? You know? yes. so those are the kind of fundamental things. And all the engineering books I've read, they're like, yeah, it doesn't matter what you do. You know, if you don't capture well, you're just kind of like polishing the turd after that. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so, yeah, that's a that's a huge part of it. I totally so I get funny that. to me that, uh, you know, you guys are saying how like I mentored you and now mm-hmm. like I'm going to be hitting y'all both. Uh, like I'm going to be following your thing, Neil, too. And I told <laughs> Al before, so I'm going to be learning all these because I haven't spent my life recording. I've spent my life playing. It's all right. been about the instrument and then trying to write music. And uh, but now I'm like. I want to do my records here. I don't want to go get studio time. Like you said, I'm not making demos here anymore. Yeah, man. I need to, I, you so everything. I'm at the beginning stage, but it's great to turn the tables. Now I'm going to be coming to you guys and hey, be like, O-T-O, okay, teach me. And you know, you know, already, listen, like Chrissy and I have talked about this, like the, the points I want to get to, you already know you're going to be on it. And like, Al's going to be on it, you know? So it's like, I'm getting to that point where I'm like, oh, I'll yeah. get set up. Yeah. You know, like, cause how can I talk about bass without talking about you, you know? And like, (laughs) mm -hmm. it's funny because all my, my keyboard players have, you know, I love having bass underneath me when I solo and and all these bands, everybody just stops playing. Sometimes everybody, but the drummer just stops playing. I'm like, Hey, what if I do that for your solos? Like, you know, what the hell, man? O.T.O., so, you know I'm that. You know I'm that. So, I'm, you know, like, you, you, can see, <laughs> you can see any video of me, like, sitting there with you guys. And, like, my legs are shaking. I'm like, but all my keyboard players became great keyboard bassists because of you. And they're all fans oh. of yours, Neil. But oh, I was like, look, man. I need that stuff. Like, you know, I had it at the base day 2000. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's so great, man. And and shout out to Matt Slocum and Jason Crosby yes. and obviously Kofi because they're yeah. three killing keyboard bass players. Jason My Crosby. goodness. Yeah. I, remember catch, I remember catching you guys 2002 at Toad's Place in New Haven Ooh. and uh, yeah. like the Iron Horse and the Hippodrome and Burke Fest up in... Uh, yeah, <laughs> but in, I, uh, Burke Fest is where I met D'Antoni. It's oh, the first geez. time, no and kidding. you guys were like, "Man, so I forget who to be like." You got to go see this cat, and yeah, I was right, just so like, "Kudu was there, Kudu, and Whoa. dude, I was." That's right. I couldn't breathe. I was like, oh, his bass drum foot. I was just like, <laughs> "What an unbelievable festival that was!" Oh man, yeah. yeah. Except, <laughs> I remember there being one moment when you guys were on stage. And the power got shut off. Yeah. Well, Neil Neil was on stage playing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, that, that was a strange thing. Was that like when we'd leave, like, that was like when we would exit the stage? Yeah, it was you and Sam. Me and Sam and I. Yeah, Sam Kenninger. Yeah. And it was it was kind of like, you know, there was a couple minutes left of the evening. Yeah. And, um... Oh, they killed the power on you because you yeah. went over no, there was There's one individual... Who was uh Yeah, like some maybe a stage production man. I don't yeah, I'm um, not sure who it was, but it, it's just, it's strange when someone doesn't have the awareness of what is going on in the moment. 
right. regardless of listen the state troopers were right on the side of the stage like hanging out enjoying the festival yeah yeah and i was so upset when they cut the power off that i ran off stage and i ran next to the state troopers I ran yeah. full. I sprinted off the stage and sprinted right towards the state troopers. And they saw how angry I was. And I stood by them because I was like, I'm going to kill this dude. Yeah. And I okay. stood right next to the state troopers. And they were just they were just standing there because they saw what it went down. And it was it was one of the most bizarre moments. Dude, it was weird. Yeah. Being up in, on the hill watching it. And it was an incredible day and night of music. And that festival was just such a nice, perfectly sized Nothing overwhelming, yeah, you know, right. perfect abundance of music and space. And then that happened and it was like, like, like someone, you know, it's like you're making out with your high school girlfriend and the light gets turned on and you're like, oh shit. Like, you know? And we all kind of freaked out and we wanted to make sure everything was okay. You know, like it was just a weird. It it was because it would be one thing like, listen, if that's what I'm, it was so strange because like i said state troopers were there no one was coming on stage saying like this show's over or anything everyone else on the stage was dancing from like the entire burke fest everyone was, was so it was i don't know i don't i can't remember listen we've played places where we've knocked out the power yeah <laughs> like we remember we were in france like it, oh it was yeah old theater and that was in Lyon, i believe or something yeah. and um old theater and i walked in that theater and i was like oh yeah as soon as i start playing like this oh. the bass is gonna and sure enough we cut we blew out power and theaters and all you know <laughs> but yeah i can't ever remember another time where they cut off that like was, power that's, out that's we were, asinine that's it that's just and anybody that's been to a Soul Live show, like, you know, Soul Live Interrupt Us is even worse than Coitus Interrupt Us. Soul like, Live Interrupt Us. It's, it's, it's wrong. It's like spirit. It's a sin. It's blasphemy or something. I don't know what. It's so wrong to stop that when it's going like that, that hard. God. Like hey, right near the end, too. Like, man, yeah. that's wrong. That's those, wrong. Hey, you pay bro. for that next life. Next life, <laughs> or maybe you know that karma may have already been paid since then. Dude, I'll yeah, tell you, yeah. you know, that's so one of my things. It's like we kind of all felt like electric football pieces. You know what I mean? Like you're dancing, and then all of a sudden and someone just plugged the machine out. Like, like, Look at each other. Like, what the fuck? No, but that was, and I remember. I mean, like that was the era that I was. I was writing for Relics Magazine at the time, mm. so I kind of used that. I was fresh out of my senior year in college i'm 41 now so right and i i was like i just dove head first into you know you guys galactic carl denson i mean like anything that i could get into and go see every night there were shows there was like yeah. that kind of there was a, a blossoming that first year of bonnaroo yeah, you know, yeah. it was yeah. like that. That first Bonnaroo era was such a good time for our scene for live music. There was, I mean, middle of the week, you'd go see two, three, four, a phenomenal headliner show, like great shows, at clubs like Toads or the Palace in New Haven or whatever, every night, and, yeah. and, and it was just so fun. And you guys were bringing so much joy to so many people. And it was just so great to be able to kind of like, yeah, I'm a writer for relics. And I would just kind of grease my way back, say hi to you guys real quick. And 
you know, um, but it was so fun and it was such a phenomenal era. And the music you guys were putting out was just fire, man. Start to finish. Hey there, Osiris listeners. I wanted to tell you about our friends over at Smart Wool. For more than 25 years, Smart Wool has been making merino wool socks and apparel designed to keep you comfortable. Because they want to help you play, laugh, and explore in the outdoors with every thread they knit and every step you take. Because they believe that comfort sharpens focus and lets you perform beyond your limits. They are here to help you feel good. Now, it's up to you how far you will go. Take 15% off of your first order at smartwool.com. Smartwool. Go far, feel good. Remember at uh, Bergfest, you mentioned Carl Denton. I had a, uh, one of the peak moments of my life. Someone came and said, hey, you want to play with Bob Moses and Schofield? And I was like, uh, <laughs> but how stupid a question is that, right? Because mm-hmm. Bright Size Life, you know, Bob Moses and Pat yeah, Metheny and Jocko. Come on, man. That was one of the reasons I'm a musician. So I thought, me, Schofield, and Bob Moses? Uh, yes, please. So Carl Denson was on it. And who was the guy who played guitar with Deep Banana Blackout? Fuzz. Oh, Fuzz. Fuzz. I was going to say he had a nickname. Um, so I was like, oh man, so we're playing and it's great. And I realized what I have in common with these guys is like the new Orleans thing. But the funny part of this was, is Carl Denson was right in front of me mm-hmm. and you know, Carl is just jacked, just <laughs> yeah. ripped. He looks like, like a, he looks Black like a, like a Panther. Halfback. Yeah, he, lo- exactly. he looks like the suit that they put over actors in the <laughs> superhero <laughs> movies to make him, they, you they know, molded from him. Yeah. <laughs> so about four songs into it i realized i've been staring at carl's ass for like four songs <laughs> like you know like not just zoned out like when you're just like you're not real i'm not really st- but i kind of was looking at carl like damn and then i just started playing and just zoned out and i was like wow this has got to be really weird for anybody in the audience is like dude is O'Teal God, like totally social media st- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the meme that would have been Someone had a Motorola Razor, like watching you do that. I th- I'm pretty sure I told him too. I don't even think I knew him that well back then. <laughs> like, the man's an Adonis. It's ridiculous, dude. That era, that era of of festival was so great, wasn't it? I mean, like just the, the they were just such nice pockets of just go forget about life and learn about new music and art and culture. And I mean, Bonner, the first Bonnaroo. That's what I, I went to the first one and and that was it. Never went back to be yeah, honest. We, we did the first one, man. Yeah, that we was played it. We, actually we played. It was like the first official set of Bonnaroo. I remember. Yes, and, man, and we and honestly, man, that was the best set of anyone. We totally lucked out because I remember Neil. There was another band playing before us. I think it was like Dirty Dozen Brass Band or something like that. It was on another stage, uh-huh. but then. And then and then there was us, but we were right at the entrance of the festival. That's so yeah. everybody had to come in and basically pass. And there was no other music on no. during our set. That was the only set that that happened. <laughs> yes. It was so everyone just walks in and there's like, okay, there's nothing going on, but these dudes, you know, like so if they knew us or not, they were there. Uh, I mean, it was a zoo. Well, I mean, that was them. crazy. And you know, That's... growing up, going to. <clears throat> Clifford Ball and Lemon Wheel and all the fish festivals, you know what I mean? And then going to that 
and having like press capability, but seeing all the different stages and right. fish, you go see one band. And this was like, oh my God, there's like so many stages and so many cool things happen and drum circles and like gospel, just like yeah. pop up events. And st- it was just, it was unreal but to see yeah when you guys kicked it off man and also i think you guys were like it was about 500 degrees that weekend oh yeah. Yeah, and it just kept that's my memory hotter and hotter that's <laughs> uh, my memories of bonnaroo just oh hot and dusty fast. hot yeah. and dusty yeah or yeah, muddy exactly. or muddy as hell and oh. you guys did some serious tours because I'm, I'm you went out with mayor did y'all yeah. go out with the stones yeah, yeah. Yeah, I thought so. You toured with the Stones, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. we we did. Um, we, I mean, it's so that's so strange too. We did five shows opening up for the Rolling Stones. Wow. And the, the, this is the strange one. The so the first show that we ever did, they were doing this tour, and I guess the idea of it was was just having smaller bands opening up for them because they were doing this they did this theater run well, well no that. no what the deal was they did a stadium oh, yes arena theater, theater. All in one city right so oh. and so the small show was the theater wow. for them which were like four thousand seat theaters you know <laughs> so for us just playing these little clubs we, like that was their tiny show was the four thousand seater and on those shows were smaller bands kind of small bands like no doubt you know literally like the biggest pop band at the time i mean it was you know smaller bands like the who yeah like on these theater shows and um so we yeah it was um it it was timing everything booking agents and people knew people that we got on those shows yeah, but it's y'all some bad mofos too, because I know the Stones curate. Well, like, this is what was strange because they didn't know who we were, right? So we were doing our sound check, and when we finished sound check, they were all standing on the side of the stage, wow. and we're just watching it. And then I kind of thought, of, I was like, "Wow, what is this?" And I'm, and I, I think I understood. I was like, "I, I really think it's something they." hadn't seen in years you know um it's not like we were this like insanely polished like kind of pop band or something like that you know or anything like that we were just up there throwing down dude you yeah. guys to me like are organ, like bass and drums yeah. i'm kind of like when's the last time that they seen that on stage you know kind of like hearkening to like steve winwood or something like one of their friends yeah. or or the like their friends that they grew up with I, I just don't think they've probably seen it's, something like that. It's more than just that, too. Like anybody that's seen you guys, I always say, like when I see you guys play together, it's like um, it's like finding. What if you found like a saber toothed panther? All of a sudden, <laughs> you know, you just didn't know. You're like, dude, in the Amazon, you got to see this thing. And it's just like, you know, it's just sitting there and you're like, that thing could totally F you up. Like, and that's why I feel like there's so much threat coming off the stage. And I've never been able to sit still at one of you guys shows. And I wanted to be a dancer for my career. So, like, you know, that's the highest compliment I could pay anyone. You know, like, um, and I know they felt, and I had that same thing one time. I was playing a a crossroads with TTB, and I looked to the to to my right, and there was Ron Wood, 
Yeah. And I kind of freaked out a little bit. So I just like cut it off, you know. I was like, he's not, because you're walking. There's a lot of people. Willie Weeks is walking around and, you know, like all kinds of people. So after I come off stage and I was like, yo, man, I I have never met a Rolling Stone before, you know. I was like, hey, I just, he was like, dude, you just blew my mind. I was like, what? And I didn't know he used to play bass. Ah, yeah. With the stone, I think maybe even with the stones, but he was a bass player. So right. I was like, oh, because somebody told me, you know, he's a bass player. I was like, all right, you know. But so that was weird. Like, you know, they're were, they were watching for the same reason I'm watching because y'all were just like, <clears throat> yeah, you guys are <laughs> absolute machines. There's something about the stones that I think is really special. Like, it, it, it shows you that, I mean, those, they love music. Yeah. They love music. Like, you. I mean, you hey, you kind of have to love music to do it right. But those who are still out there doing it were, I mean, it blew my mind. Every single show we played with them, they like Keith Richards was hanging out in our backstage that first show, right? Right. Charlie Watts would come say hello to us, and every time that we played with them over those couple years, few years. He would come in and he'd say, like, he would just walk in the room. He's so polite. And he'd go. And there'd be almost like this uncomfortable silence. He'd just stand there. It, we, we, uh, I haven't seen you since October of last year. Right, right. He's like, it's so good to see you guys again. There was no one out there prompting him or anything. Like, he, like he has this incredible memory. Um, and I, I this Ronwood story that I have was the first show we did at the Tower Theater. The Tower Theater? You remember that, Neil, at the, at the end of the show? We, I walked out with Ron Wood holding my arm. Wow. Walking down the alley an entire block and a half. So when we came out, you hear, you know, they're the people who kind of know where they're going to come out. And the police are down yeah. there a block away and they're screaming. He held my arm, walked down the alley, talking to me, yeah. talking to me. Yeah. I went, and, and then we got to the limo, <laughs> turn the corner, get to the limo. He's still talking to me. And I, it got to the point where I was like, I was like, I'm so sorry. He was like, I, you don't have to do this. I was like, you know, I was like, you, I was like, you, you should go. I was like, you don't need to, I was like, you, you don't have to entertain me. I was, I, I was, I was at a loss for words. I could not, could not believe that. I was, wow, I, I was so like, cool. is anyone else seeing what's going on? And it was just, I was like some movie set. It really was. I looked around and it's like, no, Ron Wood is just holding my arm, walking down this alley. I'm like, oh my gosh. I love that music is a great equalizer like that because at some point, uh, like, I had this experience with Led Zeppelin's bass player watching bluegrass at in Asheville at the Orange Peel, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> so it's just a great John Paul Joe. Yeah, like, yeah, you know, we, he's <laughs> and I'm really, you know, I was playing banjo and I didn't realize, I was like, oh, I didn't know you were into bluegrass. So we got into this whole thing about bluegrass, right? You know, and we weren't even talking about bass. We're just right. two fans. Uh, I think it was the Traveling McCurries we were watching or stuff, you know, it's just like, but it's cool because like, you know, all of a sudden you're just all on this same plane. They're fans and they have the same reaction to you as any other fan or yeah. me or any other great musician that's a yeah. hero of mine, you know, like 
it's just like, wow, look at that. But he has the luxury of being able to take you by your arm where he go talk to you, <laughs> no, be like, where other people can't. You know? Maybe he didn't even know I played. Maybe he just thought I was the usher or something. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> Get that's over so, here, usher. <laughs> that's such a funny thing, too, that I've, we, we've, we discussed it as like in the comedy world, too, about how I could be on the road and doing shows and whoever's opening or some comic that's local. I've never met him before. And I somehow instantly have a connection with him that me and my oldest friends will never have. There's just something yeah. about doing it and being in that moment of like, like that actual moment of telling a joke or playing where you automatically have like you and John Paul Jones and you and Ron Wood. And like, I could talk to any comic first day or the oldest, George Wallace, who we had on the podcast. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, this is have that. This is, it's, it's experiential, right? There's this, um, and that's what it is. So that's why I love hearing comedians talk. I mean, it's very similar to musicians to, and especially improvisational musicians like we are. Yeah. Um, and, and knowing like you, you're up there to move the crowd. Like you only have one job. Like, and that's the kind of thing, like when you were on stage, there's only one job and it's the same for comedians. You're there to move the crowd, right? Like, that's it. Like, and you have to know how to wield that. You have to kind of know, and, oh, this isn't going the right. You have to know how to finesse every single moment. And, and it's one of the greatest tools for concentration because you're, you, you can do something and you're thinking like, oh, I just killed that. You're thinking of the past. You are actually still speaking or playing right at that moment, and you know what you need to do next. You're like, oh, I can't wait till I drop this F in, in about a minute. So you're thinking about the future. So it's one of the most magical moments, and that's um, it, what, I've, what I've learned is, like, that's just pure. That's when you tap in, and, and you'll hear athletes call the zone. or what, and right. it's Like, when you're tapped into source in that way, yeah. and, you, and it's a hard thing to explain that, and it just kind of shows you that our perception of what time actually is, is not this linear thing. No, I've They're said that over these, and all over. All these things and being several moments at one time. Exactly. You know? So yeah, it's that common. So again, like, so when, yeah, when you see another comedian, there is that, man, you know what they did. You know, the hotels they were at, you know, the flights. We know, we know all of it, right? Yeah. And, yeah, the, and like I the name of a booker that, comes up and you go, yeah. oh boy. And, yeah. and the interesting thing, and I'm, this is what is also one of the hardest things about what we all do is that when you show up to do your job, no one cares what your day was like. Mm -hmm. No one gives a damn what happened to you broke your leg a family member passed uh, any little thing you are expected to be great right yeah that's what people pay for that's what they worked really hard and went through their entire life and all the things that they went through an entire day and yeah, their yeah. family member that passed just to come out to see to laugh to to experience the joy of music of laughter and it's a really so it there we um it's it, i don't it's not a weight it's a privilege really it's this honor to be able to to it do is. to do mm -hmm. that to embody that um yeah, so that's that that's that experiential like kind of commonality that we have when you don't even know a musician or you don't know a comedian you just are an artist you walk up and it's like yeah you know yeah yeah it's that, it's you like, know, i think oh, it's, it's hard that. for He's me like, that's that that's what otl said like i know man 
I know. Yeah. <laughs> that's what it all comes back to, well, right? That's, that's exactly what it was. Exactly. Like, yeah. You don't need exactly. to say anything. He's like, I know. And being younger in it and having someone who like sees your work ethic and sees your uh, talent and, and knows that I can recommend this person and they're not going to burn my bridge. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that, the offstage stuff counts just as much as the onstage yeah. stuff. And I would go to my mentors and say, man, I just cannot break into this club and I just don't know how else to, and they just see me going through it and going through it and they go, yeah, I've been there. It's going to yeah. be okay. You know, and, it, and that is better than hearing, ah, dude, you're hilarious. It's going to be fine. And it's yeah. like, no, no, it's right now. I'm not though. <laughs> so it's nice to hear someone yeah. go, it's, you're going to get through this. It's yeah. Okay. That's the, and that's the one of the, the, the hardest things to hear, honestly, when you're younger as well, because you don't have the benefit of time yet. You don't have the benefit yeah. of experience, of experiencing like, like these older or more experienced people do, you know? So it's like, it's, it's great to have those mentors, but at the same time, it's, you need them. Yeah. But it's, boy, it's tough when you're younger, man. Cause you just want to be there. You know, you just, yeah. you know, you know, what helped me was, uh, and even recently, <laughs> um, when you have those older people and then they tell you, Oh, here's what I was, especially if they're older, older, older. Right. And you're like, Oh Yeah. Wow, that was really tough. Yeah, you like, thought you, you yeah. It's, yeah, it's you like thought you look, were going through some stuff. Yeah, because it, you do, it does help me when you be like you're in a shitty situation and they go, "Yeah, I've been through that." So mm-hmm. you know, okay, this is part of it. Yeah. So, all right. It sucks hearing it. But then if they tell you, "Oh yeah, back in, you know, I know. before whatever, you know, it's like, wow." Yeah. When it gets I think even the hard thing for you, me though yeah, is like when you're like, "Oh, I lost my cell phone. I couldn't get to the yeah. gig." And they're like, "Wait, whoa, 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 whoa." You're like, "I lost yeah. a family." Yeah. And- <laughs> yeah. But the hard thing for me is uh just personally, and this is where I've I've really take to heart what you were saying, Neil, about flipping it from realizing what other people how much they're going through to to get to here to this experiences people always expect from me what i was on my best night that's, i'm that's known for my best nights for when even i was impressed i was like wow okay, i want to hear that back you know cuz you know when you're tapped in like i'm not taking credit for it i'm not boasting yeah, but I I, I can tap in easier than other people. So when I do yeah. get tapped in, I could just like take my hands off the wheel, and I'm like, "Damn, mm-hmm. this and, that's and, God to me," you know. But then when I need to, when I'm not feeling that tapped in, it's like that's why I have my fingernails bitten off. Yeah, know? same OT, the same man. <laughs> my mom used to try and put my mom used to put hot sauce on it when I was a kid. Fingernail but polish, love, but I love hot sauce. <laughs> <laughs> that shit ain't working. So, yo, but that is the that is the thing that when you're expected to be great, and that's the same thing. I'll listen. I've listened to Backstreet shows, and I go like, "How in the hell did I do?" I'll listen to yeah. some stuff and go like, "My God, it's killing it!" And then the other <laughs> nights, man, I'm just like, "That was a bunch of crap." And know what? No one gives a damn. Yeah. Right. And that's yeah. what's it, it's a it's a tough thing when you're in that moment. Oh. But it's um I guess the like so through the pandemic, um, my wife studies qigong. I practice oh, nice. qigong. I have a Chinese medicine doctor. And so when I go in and kick it to him, and this is these are like the basic things of life. And when you're meditating and you learn, like, hey, you can wake up every single morning, right? 
and you can choose to be happy or not. Exactly. Like yep. I'm talking about, this is a simple angle. Oh, I know that not, well, well, well then it's why a- aren't people doing it? Right. And it's a similar thing to when you're on stage, like no matter how often, but you could sit up there and just smuggle. Oh yes. Yes. Like, and you could be playing the worst, have the worst night of your life and you can go to that moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or you can go to this other darker space. It's like you have it when we you're sick, right? With that. We've, we all struggle with that, but it's that easy. And that's the, tr- that's the thing I try and work on every single day yeah. in my life. I can wake up and wake out of bed and go like, yo, what's going on? Or you can wake up and be like, yeah, what's up? Yeah. Yeah. No, nah, man. I, you know, you it's, know it's what? that simple. It's that simple. I've, I've recently, I told Kim um recently i said yo uh, i gotta tell you something i i i made this decision so well a few uh, i guess a few years ago now i like i uh, went vegan again right mm-hmm. and that kind of caused a little like a little tension in the house because like one <laughs> like one night i went to bed and then the next morning I, I woke up i'm vegan you know and like and it just kind of threw off the whole <laughs> dynamic your know, food dynamic in the house well, whatever. So we got through that. Everything's mellow. So the other day or recently, I said, Kim, yo, I got to I'm making a change. I got to I got to tell you, you know, like I wanted to let you know. And she's like, oh, man, what is this dude doing now? You know, and I was like, you know what? I'm um, I'm not going to be angry about things anymore. I just told her straight up, like, I'm just, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm done. I'm done with Definitely. anger. Like I, and over the years, like Neil knows, like, I mean, both of us, you know, like we, you, it's just things that set you off and you get all, you know, I was like, I'm done. So I wake up in the morning, like Neil said, I wake up in the morning, man. I'm, I'm, I, I think about how happy I am, how grateful I am for, for everything, you know what I'm saying? Like, and throughout my whole day, I'm smiling. I'm like, I go to this, you know, there's so many times you go in the studio or whatever, and you're working on something. It's like, it just didn't go your way. And and I like let that get to me. And then uh, and, and next thing you know, you're bringing that home or, or it was a horrible gig. Oh, yeah. man, that flight sucked. Cause I didn't blah, blah, blah. <laughs> done man yeah done. you know what i mean like I love it. There, if you ha- and our father you remember neil dad used to say it all the time it's like you it's easy you have a choice to like look at things you know in a positive light or a negative you know just it's it's that simple mm-hmm. it's that simple so you that's that's how you know i've i've uh yeah i'm just i'm done with i'm done with anger man i'm done I'm done with it's it beautiful you know it's, I, it's, it's 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 any it's to me it's inefficient it's an inefficient yeah. Use yeah. of, or it's inefficient energy, you know. And, it doesn't and I, a lot of this, so we talk about getting back to how is the pandemic, how, how has everything affected us? See, this is something that has happened in this world, in the universe, at this this particular time for a very specific reason. Right. And this, like, whether people want to hear it or not, like this was going to happen. Absolutely. And people have to understand. Let's say everyone in this on this planet is connected. Every yep. living being, plants, animals, every single thing is connected. And there's a point where it's like, hey, we've had to stop. We've had to stop. We've all had to take a break and really look at what has been going on on this mm-hmm. planet. What we do with each other. So these are these. This is this moment. Where it's like, hey, we've been giving this opportunity under this guise of some pandemic. But it's to like, listen, we created it and it's 
forced us to stop and slow down like really and 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 hopefully there's a lot of people who get that and can you know take a moment to absorb like everything that's going on in this world everything you have the things you need to be grateful for like everything you have to be grateful for taking that time so it's like even like from the little things like oh my diet my regimen i've had um now it's like you're working out again. Like even myself, like I, I you know, I, I'm waiting for these new dumbbells to show up, yep. you know, like to, to get back into that. And one thing for me for years has been stretching. Mm. Like I had a knee injury from when I was um, a, a kid, a kid yep. surgeries from when I was a young teenager. And you hold on to all that stuff, all the playing the years, yeah. the standing on stages and nights and nights and nights. And it got to a point where I said, like I can't sit in lotus position, you know. I can't mm. sit mm. cross-legged, and it's and it got wow. to the point where I said, you know, I'm sick. I'm just so sick and tired of being of being unflexible. Yeah, yeah. Being unflexible, and when you think about what that means, like being like that adds to so many things. Like you're talking about mm-hmm. your mood, your what can easily sway you to go towards this this, this when you have this tension, this tension. You have, when you release that stuff, when you when it's, you're not holding on to that, well, then it's much more easier to navigate this world being flexible. But qigong positions, there you go. Yeah, if you don't have that, you got to be. That's your life force. If that's not flowing through you, you're not here. It's it's you're not here. If it's blocked, yeah. I did did that. I remember I couldn't touch my toes. I'm so I used to be a ballet dancer. Oh, that's what I wanted to do. I'm going to send you something. And now I could do it. This is something I saw on Instagram. I'll send you. I'll send this link to you all. there's a guy who it's called hyperbolic stretching. Some of you may see on Instagram. Yeah. You see this guy with his legs splayed out, yeah, perpendicular to the ground, and and then it's like, hey, so this was someone who uh, three weeks earlier and a month earlier, kind of thing. I got it. It was twenty seven dollars, twenty seven dollars, and he shows you the video and do these stretches. Within, I mean, after I did it the first day, I was walking down the street and I'm like, "Whoa!" Yeah. I, you, you look at you just you feel new muscles, or you <laughs> you feel a lot. Of, it, it's strange when you feel your body wobbling because yeah. you're loosening it up for the first. That's because really that cheese moving you, around. It's, it's one of those gifts. Yeah, it's one of those gifts. And for anyone who's on their feet, it, it's just a wonder. Like stretching, it's like be flexible, be flexible, yeah. be flexible. Because this this incorporates every single part of your life. You know. Yeah, that's why yoga is so great. Stage, a comedian, like you have to be in that moment, right? It's being flexible to rip out someone's yeah. cl- trying to clown you. Boom, got you right. It's. That's yeah, it. That's, yeah. that, that's and that's when it becomes dancing. When it's like when you yes. feel comfortable in the discomfort. Yeah. And I think that you know, Alan, you said something that like you know you just woke up and decided mm-hmm. like I'm not I'm not dealing with anger anymore. I think the thing that I've been it inspires me because the thing that I've been having a conversation a lot with myself, um, I've become very easily disappointed and almost um, happy when I'm disappointed because it reinforces. Like, see, I shouldn't have trusted that person. I'm right. I knew I shouldn't have. You know what I mean? And I, it almost kind of this thing where, you know, and especially with the politics and with right. the social unrest that goes on and you talk to people you haven't talked to in a while and they have a point of view that you're like, how on earth can you still think like that? Mm-hmm. And you go, yeah, I knew people are shit and I shouldn't trust them and this and that. And that's the thing I'm trying to work on more is like, where are they Where are they hurting? Like, Like, what's making them... Right. You know what I mean? We're all coming from some hug yeah. that we didn't get. 
Yeah, so, so that's it. So that's a just a negative feedback loop, right? Right. Right. So right. you're getting this sense of uh, accomplishment or gratification, or that reinforces, you know, it's it's. But that's the negative feedback loop, right? Right. 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 So when you just shift that, and um, it turns to, yeah. The, the big part of what's going on in our world, like this, it has to happen in, in the, the, the great, it, this is, this is the empathetic component about it, where people, you just have to see there's so many people in this world, in this world that are hurting. Like, yeah. Really, mm-hmm. really oh, that God, are, yeah. that man, like, everyone wants to be loved. <laughs> there are tons of great people. That, um, and there are a lot of people that are hurting on this planet. So, like, when you're able to start to look at that, look, see that perspective, see what someone else has gone through. Again, I mean, you know, that experiential component <clears throat> when you're when you've endured and you've experienced similar things, or you just get to that higher plane. It doesn't matter if you've experienced matter. it or not. Mm-hmm. Do you understand? Do you understand you know, purely? Like, do you understand that there is something else outside of? Your, me, me, yeah. me, what I'm going through. Right. You don't have exactly. to experience it. You weren't put here to experience someone else's experience. Yeah. yeah. That's the biggest part. You were not, you weren't here to understand someone else's suffering. You're not there to go like, oh, I know what it feels like now. No, not at all. Not at all. But there's a different part, like when you're able just to understand and to, and to say, okay, what can we do about this? How can I help? How yeah. can I help you? How can I make a difference? Yeah. In whatever way. Adopting our uh, daughter really, it helps put things in perspective because I, you know, I, I realize my thing is kids. You know, I want to help kids. And I looked up like homeless kids in Florida. It's like over 40,000 homeless kids just in Florida. I'm like, how is that even possible? That seems insane. That makes no sense. You know, I just like, it was, so I've... You know, you you realize certain things, and you're like, "Hey, man, uh, yeah, you don't really have any problems. Like, right. what what can you do to help? There's real, mm-hmm. there's a lot of there's problems out there, especially now because you know, and we've talked about it a lot on the podcast where we all are facing the pandemic, the lack of work, the you know solitude, but we all had our baggage that we brought into this situation as well. So someone might be dealing with you know, addiction, someone might be dealing with depression or someone may be scared of silence and they're surrounded by it. So you're right, man. It's like, Neil, you hit the nail on the head. Like everyone's hurting and everybody needs to be loved. Yeah. Yeah. We're bringing it, man. Yeah, Uh, man. You guys are awesome. God. You are. I mean, I wish I didn't have to go, but I have to teach a bass lesson. Well, yeah. well. Oh, Tio, I'll um, I'll be right on and just find it. And Alan, and Alan, I'll be on your uh, forgetting anger session. So, <laughs> we no, love you guys, man. And please come back. Well, we Would do. you come hang with us again? Oh, man, anytime, anytime. Beautiful. Yeah. Mission yeah. accomplished, Otio. Much love, love you, to you guys. Love, you, love, yeah, you. love you guys. Love Thank you. you so much, and thanks, listeners. See you next week. Yes. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.